0: No ketchup, no ketchup. No ketchup, no ketchup.
1: What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Catch-Up Sports Talk via Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. Big Nick the Quick with me as always. First and foremost, you see the code, man. I got the Lakers 8 on. If anybody's just listening, I got the Kobe 8, man. I'm a Kobe 8 guy. Rest in peace, Bean. It's been a year. It's been a quick year. Um, We'll touch on that, obviously. Super Bowl 55 is set, locked in. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be at home in Tampa. That should be interesting. It's Brady versus Mahomes. The GOAT versus the, I guess you could call him the future GOAT. The guy that he will be chasing. Um, He needs to tack another one on for Mahomes to get a little farther away. I think that's how Brady feels about it. We'll obviously (laughs) talk. Yeah, I think that's how he feels. He's like, yo, I got to get as many as I can.
0: He's just fine. Uh, He just he just has to find reasons to be motivated now. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like, yeah, yeah. I need a, I need another one. I need another yeah, one. No,
0: why not, man? That's great. Why not?
1: Let me get let's one get, more. Let's get another one. Uh, <laughs> super bowl, Super Bowl 55. Obviously, we'll touch on that. Chiefs Bucks. Then we'll get into the NBA. The the infamous Brandon Scoop B. Robinson will be joining the show. He's got some Lonzo ball news. He thinks Lonzo balls getting moved. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about any other trades that Scoop B knows about, has on the docket, feels like are coming. We'll touch on that. I want to hear he's a New York guy, heavy.com sports writer. So he's out there on the East Coast. I want to I want to get his thoughts on the Nets so far because I got some strong comments on the on the nets and where yeah, they're you're not you're not a believer, right? You're no, not a believer yet. You I'm didn't a, like last night. I'll give you a preview. They need a lot of help. <laughs> they need a lot of help. Like the, the way this shit's constructed right now.
0: Do they need a five and d guy?
1: They <laughs> so I'll give I'll give you a
0: quick story. So I'm watching the game yeah. last night, and uh Steve Smith, Steve Smith is involved in the broadcast. Yeah, and he's so he's talking, he's like, Yeah, man, you know, you know, this team everybody keeps talking about you know everything that they need, and everybody keeps talking they need a three and D guy, they need a three and D guy. He's like, they need a five and D guy, you know, <laughs> they need they need a big guy that can play defense. And it was one of those things, like when I first heard it, it didn't fully register. Yeah. And then I went back and thought, I'm like, five and D. I'm like, yo, Steve Smith fully does not understand what the three in three and D stands for. It's not it's not playing the three. It's not the position. Yeah. No. It's the ability to shoot threes. So yeah. unless we have been a five-point shot, um, a five and D guy does not exist. Does so. not
1: exist. And, no, we'll, it's never and, 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 hey, and it's not on the market. It's yeah.
0: not on the market. If you <laughs> find one, hey, you're, you're, you're ahead of everybody else. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we'll touch on uh we'll touch on his thoughts on the Nets. Brandon Scooby Robinson, heavy.com, Scoop, uh, Scooby Radio. He'll be joining us to talk NBA. So we got a loaded show. Um, Big Nick the Quick, what's going on, man? First take Tuesday. What's happening? How was the weekend?
0: It. Championship weekend, man. It was lovely. Then was we had it? A full, yeah, then we had a full slate of NBA last night. 10 games, man, for those with YouTube TV. They were giving out the free preview, so that was nice. Um, yeah, it was a good, good weekend, man. We had the McGregor. McGregor. No. McGregor. <laughs> McGregor got cleaned up.
2: <laughs> no. He got
0: cleaned up. Uh he got cleaned up. And then Buddy, Buddy who fought before him cleaned up. Yo, what well, I don't you probably you know these guys' names. All I can tell you is that the dude that the, the, the fight before.
1: Yeah, i I've never, never seen Hold a guy
0: on. I've never seen a guy want to be in the ring less than the guy he was fighting. Like, I've yeah. never seen a guy not want to be there. He he would have rather been anywhere else in the world other than fighting that man that night. Hold on. Um, I, tweet, yeah. I tweeted
1: it. He wanted nothing to do it, buddy, at all. Nothing. <laughs> um, like, no actively
0: day. running away, like, fighting backwards. Like, it was, it was, it was tragic.
1: Hooker. Hooker wanted zero part of uh, Chandler. UFC 257, man. Zero yeah. part. No nada. Yo, my boy. From the start. <laughs> Nothing, nothing, bro. Nothing. He folded him up to Connor. Yeah, got folded like, I'm, I'm, up. Connor got folded. Yeah, Connor got folded. I think it's tough, man, to you know, have that want to when you got all that money, man. Yeah, he's got, he's got so been, much
0: money, man. He's he's been to
1: you, the top all you that can't shit. Get in the ring with
0: these dogs that ain't got that money. I mean, like, obviously, uh, dude has money, but not McGregor money.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. So, yeah, it was a busy weekend, man. Was he just uh, needs to take
0: that Jake Paul fight, you know, cash in another one and, and keep it moving, man. Jake's been at his, Jake's been at his head.
1: Jake just signed up for this dude, Ben Askren. I don't even that's it's not as exciting at all. But oh, uh yeah. before we get into this NFC championship weekend wrap up and the Super Bowl talk, anything else on your first take Tuesday you want to get off your chest?
0: You know anything? what, man? I, I didn't even come with a hot first take for first take Tuesday, okay. man. I'm well, no, don't go even, ahead and take
1: it. <laughs> don't even trip. I don't I, I don't even I the 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 uh we talked about McGregor leg getting knocked out shout out the fight podcast my guy serge vicente i was on there we were talking about the fight and that leg was vulnerable but that's all i got man i just wanted to to do a little intro it's tuesday i'm happy to be back on the mic with you let's jump right into this nfc uh championship super bowl preview talk okay super bowl 55 is set chiefs tampa bay a lot of people thought that the chiefs would be there a lot of people, once Brady got to Tampa Bay, thought that they had a real chance to get there as well. What do you know? That's exactly the matchup we have: Chiefs, Bucks, the new ver- the the old school versus the new school. Brady versus Mahomes. The t- passing of the torch, per passing se. Passing of the torch. Whatever you want to, yeah, that's the that's the storyline you want to uh, you want to however you want to spin it. That's what they're going to be talking about. What were your thoughts on the games this weekend? We'll start. uh, Let's start AFC Chiefs Bills, and then we'll get into this Bucks Packers because I think there's a lot more there, and I have some video of Aaron Rodgers talking about his post game presser and him staying in Green Bay. I got uh, I got that footage I want to show, so we'll start uh, in Kansas City. Buffalo just wasn't ready, huh?
0: Yeah, they were. They weren't ready. You're not gonna. So Buffalo. I think Buffalo scored with 11 minutes left in the second quarter and then did not score another point field goal or otherwise until six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, And in that time, the chiefs put up like what 26 points or something like that. Um, I think it was exactly what we talked about the other day, man. The chiefs can turn it on. And if you want to watch turning it on, it was those three straight scoring drives that they had after the turnover that completely flipped the game around, and when you go down like that to the Chiefs, you're not coming back up, right? What was it, twenty-one to ten? Uh, forget the exact score, it but was, when you're was, when you're down by more than one possession against them, it's over with. Especially when your offense was looking the way that the Bills looked. Um, they had no interest in running the ball at all. Josh Allen didn't look sharp. His receivers didn't do him any favors. Um, I know you've been talking about how this Bills offense has been kind of suspect the last few weeks, but we kind of countered that with, hey, they've been playing good teams and they've been winning. And you can say the same exact thing about the Chiefs. But I think what you really saw was the Chiefs' ability to turn it on at the drop of a dime, and Buffalo had no answers. Um, and they, they really just could not produce any offense after the second quarter. Like, you thought after they had the Hardman muff punt, you're like, uh-oh, you know, this is what you need. You're going to get that free seven against the Chiefs. Okay, quick score, awesome. You know, Put together another drive, see if you can go up, and it just never happened for him. Meanwhile, on the other side, and I will say this, we can talk about Mahomes all we want to. I get it, right? We, we, we talk about Mahomes without having to talk about Mahomes. What's understood <laughs> doesn't need to be explained. But I will tell you right now, if I'm Todd Bowles, if I'm whoever, um, and I'm Andy Reid, and I'm game planning, I'm the enemy, There is one man that needs to have the ball in his hands, and that's the Cheetah. The Cheetah was the X Factor in this game. He was unguardable. You can't cover him, and then once he does catch the ball, you can't tackle him. And every time they needed a big play, whether it was on third down, you needed some chunk yardage. He is available for that. Like it used to kind of be like how Brady would go to Welker whenever available? he wanted that first available. <laughs> Remember how Brady would go to Welker whenever he wanted those seven or eight yards to pick up that first down? It's yeah. the same thing for Hill, except for it's fifteen or sixteen yards. You can't, you can't catch him in open space. Um, he stays open and him and Mahomes have a rapport that that, that's exactly what you want between your quarterback and your number one receiver. I really think that as I was watching that game, he was the number one X factor. They had absolutely no answer for him. Again, he would make a play whenever the Chiefs needed it, and on the Buffalo offensive side, they obviously couldn't get anything going. But defensively, they had no answer for Tyreek Hill, and if you don't, that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, Buffalo went up (laughs) 9-0. They had the and and the reason they went up nine zero is because they had a turnover on a muff punt inside the three or the four or whatever it was they were able to punch that in and then after they went up nine zero it was all chiefs all the time until the fourth quarter and by that time it was already too late I think that's I mean we all know cheetah's the x factor right, but you still can't let him get three tutties. like you can't let him go for three touchdowns and he never drops the ball. He's very dependable. He, he. I, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. When he's in the flat and they go to him on fourth and one like they did uh, the week prior against Cleveland, he just doesn't drop the ball. He's very dependable, doesn't take big hits. I don't think I've ever seen him get hit. He's always on the ground. He always t- he always jumps out of bounds. Go ahead. I was
0: going to say he did have one. He did have a big drop on Sunday, but it didn't matter because it was in yeah. the midst of a million great plays. But, yeah, right. he's dependable
1: very very dependable yeah he's, it
0: feels almost dirty to call him dependable because he's so much more than that like electric but he's electric
1: well that's like, what I'm saying. He, like, he's, he's electric yeah. but yeah but the hands and the dependability are there all day just like kelsey kelsey had a drop too but he's dude he's mr dependable he he doesn't he makes plays catches everything it's uh and yeah, I misspoke
0: man. on that. I forgot that they, they did have the field goals earlier in the game, but no touchdowns in between yeah. of those scores. But yeah, yeah, and that's, that's another true. thing. He when they're playing like that, man, you gotta fuck the field goals. At some point, you have to make the decision, like yo, fuck the field goals, and we're going for it because we can't get anything done otherwise. Like you just gotta go for it. You can't keep putting the ball back in their hands. You can't keep giving Mahomes chances. Like I think, and we'll talk about it more in the Packers game. I think sometimes these coaches. They get so scared to make the wrong decision by like going for it that you end up just playing it safe and you make the absolutely wrong decision by going out there and kicking a field goal. Three points ain't going to get it done against these guys.
1: 100%. And I think, and I don't think uh, McDermott is getting enough flack for that. He
0: should, he should be.
1: Yo, on the road against the Super Bowl champs that everybody loves they're touted as the favorites to win the championship every go in there guns bled. Like we talk I feel like we said the same shit every week especially like okay maybe if you're up 9-0 or you're up a touchdown and you want to take 3 okay but when you start falling behind these field goals especially with the way I think the biggest thing is that both the Bills and Green Bay were kicking field goals like they got a defense that was you, you give the other team the ball back with that over two-minute bullshit and we got three timeouts and the two-minute warning. When you have a lock and sturdy D, that's gonna you're very, very confident you're going to get the rock back. Well, and, and when
0: you have MVP candidates at quarterback too, that's the that's other thing with them. It's like they're also playing like you don't have a pair of MVP candidates I, at quarterback. So it's like you're playing like you have the 85 Bears on defense and you have – fucking jim mcmahon at quarterback like that's how you're playing but But, in reality you have josh allen and you have aaron Rodgers. like those guys should be if anybody in the league is allowed to take that shot it's aaron Rodgers. and right behind them as far as the young guns is gonna be josh allen he got you there all he's done all year long is get you there so why when you get to those moments do you choose to go away from him you know what i mean it's again like once the chiefs put up those three touchdowns in a row all bets were off
2: Absolutely. All bets were off
0: at that point, right? If you go down twenty-one to nine against the Kansas City Chiefs, all bets are off. At that point, you throw away anything that even appears conservative. If you're inside the thirty-five and it's fourth down and you have an opportunity to go for it, guess what? Go for it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Go for
0: it. You're not. You're not. You're not hindering. they They're going to score if they want to score, regardless. So you need to meet them with that. Absolutely. You need I to, thought he played this uh, It's That's a great point that he is not getting the flack. McDermott should be getting the flack this week and I get it's going to be a uh, a Patrick Mahomes love fest. Um which is great, but the two things to me that stood out were Tyreek Hill and Doug McDermott playing scared. Yeah. Coaching scared.
1: Coaching scared. And hey, let's be serious. You haven't been to the you haven't been to the title game in three th- three decades. Yeah. 25 years, so go, go for broke. How's money, baby? Go for broke. Go for 100%. broke, dog. Go no one's going to be
0: mad. Hey, and you get up there at the end of the press conference and you own it. Hey, yep. man, we were going against that man over there and his receiver and yep. that coach yep. and yep. that yep. offense. That's why I did it, and it didn't work. But you know what? Put me in that situation again, and I'm going to do it. Not sitting up there afterwards like Lafleur and trying to explain, like, oh, I thought our defense could get a stop against the greatest quarterback of all fucking time. Right, like we're these gonna, guys, it's it, and again we'll get to that game, but it's like the coaching, yeah. man. Like it it, it, it baffles me.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Like, <laughs> yo, uh, what, what were you thinking in that position? I, I was trying to go for broke. We haven't been to an NFL. I, I was trying to get to the Super Bowl. Like that's it. Like What's simple that? as that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I want to because we're, we're we're getting tight on time already because I know we're about to talk about Green Bay and and, and the and uh, the Bucks for about fifteen or twenty two, and our boy Scoop B is coming on at six fifteen. To talk, uh, to talk NBA. So, really quick, I want to talk Eric Bieniemy. I talked about this in the group chat, and Nick, you can hop in here and and, and give your two cents because I I do want to hear it. But I wanted to, I wanted to say this about Eric Bieniemy. I understand Eric Bieniemy wants a head coaching job. I understand Eric Bieniemy should deserves deserves a head coaching job, one hundred percent, right? But I think I was sitting on the couch and I was thinking about the situation that he's in in Kansas City. He's playing with going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time, bar none. Maybe the top two or three of all time when it's all done. And Patrick Mahomes, he has an unreal wingman, you could call him, and Andy Reid, the head coach, who they they orchestrate the offense together. Instead of because because I, I, I'm I starting to get the feeling that if he gets offered any job, he's going to jump and take it just because he wants the opportunity to prove that I could lead men. I could be a head coach uh, and I'm going to prove that to you guys with whatever job I get offered. And I was sitting back and I was thinking about it and I'm like, maybe he should relax a little bit, sit back and take his time. To pick a perfect situation and go out, go after jobs that you really want. Example, Urban Meyer came out of retirement for the Jags job purely off the fact that he's about to draft Trevor Lawrence. That's the only reason he came back and took Jacksonville. It has nothing to do with Jacksonville's organization, their roster, none of that shit. He's he knows that he's coming into a situation with the number one draft pick to be able to draft Trevor Lawrence. Like I said before, I think it's starting to get to the point where the enemy would take any job offered to him. And I think that maybe step back, realize that you know, the, the old adage that the, the grass is not always grinner on the other side, enjoy the time with this Kansas city offense. That is purely a juggernaut and take your time, picking your spot and, and, and trying to get a job. I understand you, you know what I'm saying? You want to have your own franchise. You want to have your own team. This is now back-to-back years that you have gone to the Super Bowl and have a chance to win it, But you're uh, being the assistant coach. But, man, I would hate for him to go to a bullshit gig. Like, say if he took the Lions job. Stafford leaves. Now he's on borrowed time. The team is going to be ass. He's probably going to get fired in a couple years unless he turns around Unless he's a magician and can turn around that whole roster and get, get a quarterback and get everything going in the right direction. Then next thing, you know, he's out of a job. He, 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 then he's an offensive coordinator for not Patrick Mahomes, I guess is what I'm getting at. Do you understand what I'm saying? Take your time. Go ahead. ahead.
0: I understand what you're saying. I could not disagree more for a couple of reasons. Number one. So you, you bring up the urban Meyer thing and let, and let's just, there's two completely different situations. Urban Meyer could have had any job that opened up in the NFL over the last couple of years. Right? So he was in a situation where he could sit back and wait for the perfect opening. We're talking about the enemy who hasn't even been offered any jobs at all. So for him to sit back and be like, Oh, I'm just going to wait for the perfect spot. It's like, how can you wait for the perfect job when you haven't even been offered the imperfect one? So in that regard, I don't think he has the luxury of sitting around and waiting for the right job to open up. Like most of these guys, He has to take the first one that opens up because there's only 32 of them and only five or six of them open up every year if you're lucky. That's number one. Number two, you said something that I thought was kind of telling. I want to be a head coach so I can prove to you guys. I can prove to you guys. It's not about proving to you guys. He got into
1: coaching
0: coaching however many years ago, just like you get into any job that you want to get into, right, if you're someone who's looking to grow within your profession. There are a lot of people who aren't, who are perfectly fine doing whatever they do, never moving up, and that's cool, if that makes you happy. But for him, he clearly has aspirations to be a head coach for himself. Yeah, but But he wants to make it to the highest level of his profession, which is being an NFL head coach. It's the same reason that Brad Stevens goes to the Celtics. It's the same reason that any of these guys go to that next level from a situation that's already really good. It's that for yourself, when you get into these jobs, you want to take it to the highest level if you're that type of person. So if you're being enemy, me, you don't want to sit back when it's all said and done, having been an offensive coordinator for 30 years and say, man, this is great. I won five Super Bowl rings with Patrick Mahomes, but man, I really would have liked to have known what it had been like to be a head coach, right? He's already won one ring. He could be on his way to winning his second And kind of like we see with a lot of different guys, once you have that jewelry and you've kind of accomplished that, it allows you to kind of make other decisions that are more selfish. And this one, it's not even a selfish decision, though. It's going up to that next level, like being in charge. You don't know what it's like going to work every day. He's not in charge, man. He's not his own boss. He doesn't decide how they practice. He doesn't decide when they take a water break. He doesn't decide what hotel they stay at. All that stuff matters, right? Outside of the coaching. No, I get of it. it. And it's no, stuff listen, that he wants
1: to do. Listen, I get it, but it's it's I I put it in like the situation well, let me address a couple of things you said. One, he doesn't have the pick of the litter. There's no doubt about that. He's obviously been struggling don't to pick of any litter. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. He's been trying to get an offer. He's been interviewing for he's on he's on double digit interviews now without uh, without getting years. a job. Without yeah. getting a job, right? Yeah. I get that. I understand that. Um I. I just feel like eventually there's going to be some spots that he could have, a, 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 I guess, a an opportunity to get a job. I just don't want him to get in the spot where he's taking any job, and he's t- and and I, and I don't think he's taking for granted that he's working with Andy Reid and Pat, Matt Mahomes and all that. But it's, it's I, I kind of compare it similar to like when one of the players like Trevor Ariza leaves the Lakers or whatever <clears throat> to go to go play for someone else for more money and do it. And they get to the other squad for all this bread. And they're like, man, this is no fun. We can't win any games. And I'm getting ridiculed in the press conferences every week like like you would be if you were on a bad team. That's that, that's my, my other point. The second point, too, just what you, what you said the second time about. But wait, what
0: about his legacy, though? Like, I mean, what about Yo, twenty I'm years? Not, not, listen, no, I mean, do remember listen, Eric listen, be the offensive coordinator. I'm not,
1: bro, I'm not saying be an offensive coordinator fifteen more seasons. I'm he saying strike
0: when the iron's no, no, hot.
1: The bro, the iron's gonna be hot to the motherfucker for the next how many years? You think? Apparently not. Wouldn't it be hot
0: for anybody else right now? Like, look, wouldn't it? Why is look, it not? Look, it's not hot.
1: What I'm saying. So he has
0: to take whoever's there. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. Yeah, okay. I, I I guess I don't I you don't I for me I know you what don't you're wanna,
0: saying I know what you're saying yeah you
1: don't want to be in a I just don't want him to be in a spot where any job comes up he's like I'll take it and I'm gonna make this shit happen. I just want it to be a right situation like it is for Urban Meyer. You know what I mean? That's yeah. such a good situation. Like sure. that's what I that's what I want for me And the second thing is I a hundred percent know that so he's maybe doing it.
0: Make a heart attack. Yeah
1: <laughs> yeah disappear and then come back, right? Like I oh, right? oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, y'all need a head coach?
0: Oh, is that the NCAA investigator? Oh, okay, Shadowfield. I, <laughs> well. I just, guys, because yeah. I'm, I'm done.
1: Yeah, I'm done. exactly. Right. <laughs> so, and then the second thing is he's hundred percent doing it for himself. Yes. But yes, I do. I I, I n- <clears> hundred percent <throat> would believe that he wants to stick it to everyone. Like, yo, y'all, everyone passed up on me. If he if he wants to be successful for himself and to let everybody know, like y'all passed up on a head coach multiple times. And some of those teams that passed up on me are still at the bottom of the league. So I yeah. did want to say that about Me, I think it's interesting. Um, hey, get 70, get get a contract extension. Tell Andy Reid, like, yo, I need 70% of what a head coach makes. Continue yes. to continue to uh ha- have that help your uh help your wounds of not getting a head coaching job and continue to crush other teams on offense with Pat Mahomes year after year. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm
0: sure he's getting his money, man. I'm sure the enemy family lives nice, but yeah. you know, I think again to like legacy, and we get end this with this. But I think, like at the end of the day, like his legacy—if he cares about that—no one's going to remember the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't remember the head coach, the quarterback, and
1: no, I, I I get that, but I I think he's he's known, and I'm I, and I would like him to get a job down the line. I'm just saying, hey. It doesn't need to be this year. Hey, if you don't get a spot that you agree or you think they don't want, you wait another year. Fuck it. Go win another Super Bowl as being the offensive coordinator on Kansas City Chiefs. So um, let's move over to Green Bay and um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: Scared money don't make no money.
1: Hey, man, I liked, I liked, I thought, I thought thought Green Bay was going to take care of business. They did not. Um, I think the key to the game is very simple. Um, hmm. the difference in the game, the Bucks had three turnovers. Rodgers converted one of them into points and the other two were three and outs. 6 points off turnovers. The Packers or the Packers turned it over twice. Uh, Tom Brady punched both of them in for touchdowns that's the yeah. game's over right there that's and it. and the game was over at the half when they gave up a touchdown oh my god and, and, and that was like some chicago bear shit it was
0: that was that, that was that was the coverage the play egregious. egregious it should have never tom saw that and was like you gotta be kidding me like in his pre-snap read he saw that he said wait wait, wait, wait. there's one safety right there's this kevin king guy who i've been burning already today <laughs> He's playing inside, and I know Scotty Miller is going to take a step outside. Oh, this is easy. This is money. I'm I'm going to throw this and turn around and walk back to the locker room. I don't even need to see it.
1: This is (laughs) easy. And I'm going to say this, man. Brady looked vintage. He didn't look like I think quarters. I think he has a really hard time against New Orleans. He does not want to see New Orleans. He he does not want to see those boys, their defense, the Superdome. None of that. But outside of them, the early in the game play where he looked left, came back right, and threw a dart over the middle, uh that was dropped. Yeah, I was like, uh oh. Like this looks this looks like very vintage Tom that I've what seen. Well the first touchdown many, a little over the
0: a little over the top right here. One of those <laughs> guys. Like it, it was he if you would have told me that Tom Brady played one good half and one I don't even know what you call the second half with some of those picks. Yeah, I would have been, and that the, and the Bucs would have been like, oh, OK, so he started off the game terrible and he finished off lights out. It was the exact opposite. He started off the game lights out like we were like, oh, man, we're in for one. Tom Brady's about to take yeah. these boys to the Super Bowl. I even put on the group chat. I'm like, I could not imagine the Packers coming out and playing this game any worse than what they've done so far. Yeah. And then in the second half, especially the third, those interceptions that he threw were some of the worst throws I've ever seen Tom Brady make. The one where the pressure was in his face and he just launched it um was the type of shit that like
1: it was some panic.
0: or some some quarterback who isn't 43 and is played in 150 huge games would make. So to your point, like when Tom Brady and he was giving them to you. He was giving them to you. All you gotta do is score on those. So like, you know, the one part of the Packers that we thought was gonna come through, which is their offense. They they didn't. Like, let's call it for what it is. That offense did not show up in those spots, especially when you talk about six points off three turnovers in the second half. Like, these were egregious picks. There was one. I forget if it was the second or the third, but there was one of them that he threw, and I almost turned off my TV. I was like, I can't. If this is how Tom is going to go out, I I cannot see this. This is so bad. And there was another one where it wasn't a pick, but even after it, Troy Aikman said, that's the worst throw I've seen Tom Brady throw all year. That's one of the worst throws I've ever seen him throw. Yeah. So he wasn't necessarily on like that. But, you know, when it mattered, he was Tom Brady. And you know when it mattered? You know when it mattered? When you gave him the ball back after you decided not to go for it on fourth down and you tried to dare him to make some sort of mistake or not convert. And I get it. They were helped by that pass interference. Apparently the first pass interference call they decided to make the entire game. It was um, pass
1: interference.
0: It was, though. No, it was. But I, that was also – we talk about officiating. It was very clear the league sent those referees a memo to not call anything pass interference on the offense or the defense. I think Buck said it was like two minutes into the third quarter. He said we haven't had a flag yet. There have been no penalties in this game. Um, So the refs were obviously calling it a certain way, but you give the ball back to Brady. Like of all the people you want to give the ball back to and hope that they go three and out, Tom Brady is the last person in a championship game that you want to give the ball back to and say hey maybe this guy will make a mistake or maybe he won't get ten like that 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 to me if I'm the floor that's the question i'm asking not why didn't you go for it why did you think that you could your defense was going to get another stop on tom brady weren't you lucky enough to get those three picks that you did absolutely nothing with
1: yeah, like I, what, I agree with you
0: 100% yeah, like what are you doing man in the moment what are you doing you need to score a touchdown anyways even you need to score a touchdown. If you kick the field goal and you make it and you get the ball back, guess what you still have to do? Score a okay. touchdown. You can't kick another field goal.
1: Yeah, that was my biggest thing. It was like, yo, you got to score a touchdown regardless. And best case
0: scenario, you pick them off and you're right back where you are. You just got three extra downs. I get it. You'll be on first down instead of fourth down. But you're, as far as field position goes, it wasn't going to get any better either. So what are you trying to do? And no. you have Aaron fucking Rodgers.
1: Yo, I always have this like, like, I always, I always have this vision in my mind where like one of these elite guys that can pretty much do whatever they want, like Tom Brady, and Rodgers. He looks over and sees the field goal team coming out, and he calls timeout and says, "Get them niggas off the field!" Yeah, like, you know have like, like literally, like in the in the in the time, like I don't care about your job, your decision, none of that. Get these motherfuckers yeah. off the field. We're Matt. not kicking a field goal, Matt. Man. Like live on TV, like yeah. yo, you know, like Jay Cutler told told Mike, like yo, tell yeah. Mike to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> tell Mar- to,
0: tell Mar- to go fuck himself. Yeah, up.
1: yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I would love for one of these guys, cause they're cause if we're being honest, they're untouchable. They can do yeah. whatever they want. Like
0: yeah, Rogers,
1: Rogers could have looked over, saw the field goal unit come on, bang a timeout, and be like, "I'm we're not doing that." Yeah,
0: that's not happening. Like
1: g- get them out of here, bro. It's zero, not happening. Zero We're getting ready to run this. Like, nah, forget that. So, but obviously, that's a uh, a very, very tough situation, and you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to do your head coach like that, put him under the bus. But
0: well, he put y'all under the bus by doing that. I mean, he did not. You did not give Aaron Rodgers a shot to win the game.
1: Yeah. Hey. So Aaron Rodgers. It was big talk this week, obviously. And shout out Scooby. I talked to Scoop. He's going to come on. I told him we were running a little over on NFL talk. He's coming on 630. So eight minutes, uh, Scoop B. We're talking NBA. Aaron Rodgers, postgame presser was big news. People felt like he was giving off the idea that he was done with Green Bay. He wasn't coming back. Y'all saw the clips. This was Aaron Rodgers, and I want to get your take on this too. Quick, this was Aaron Rodgers today on the Pat McAfee show, talking about the post game presser, talking about you know his feelings after the NFC Championship. Aaron Rodgers,
3: were you at all surprised to see the the wild speculation out there after your uh, post game comments when you're like you act like your everybody's uh, future is up in the air? It was awesome, by the way. We we ran for an hour with it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't really see a whole lot until maybe yesterday. And then I realized there were some things swirling around. Um, I don't feel like I said anything that I hadn't said before. Um, you know, I said it the first time I talked to the media. Uh, just it was more a, real, a realization, I think, uh, that my ultimately my future is, is not necessarily in, in my control. And I think that was what just kind of hit me in the moment. I was thinking about, you know, uh, Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley and um, other guys we have under contract, uh, Big Dog, you know, guys who I don't know what their future is going to be and, and myself included. Uh, now, obviously, after the season that I had and, um, you know, potentially an MVP and, you know, we Definitely. obviously made it to another good run. I don't think that there's any reason why I wouldn't be back, but Look, I think there's there's not many absolutes, as you guys know, in this business.
1: There's not. As you know, there's not very many absolutes in this business. Before I kick it to you quick, I'll say this. There is absolutes in this business. If he says, I'm coming back, we'll be back, I'm going to give it another run. Yeah. Period, point blank. He'll be the quarterback next year for the Packers. What do you think about those comments and what he said post about his postgame presser
0: so to me if you listen to the whole thing to me it was almost kind of a walk back where he made it he came out in the postgame presser and kind of made it sound like it was his decision and then on the mcafee show he kind of made it sound like it was the team's decision like no i wasn't saying like oh i'm gonna ask to be traded he's just like I, I almost like, I hope they'll have me back. I mean, I would hope after an MVP season, you know, these guys would have me back, but you know, they drafted Jordan Love, you never really know. Like, I feel like he was almost walking at me. I think he was emotional after the, after the game, right? He let a little bit more of himself go than he usually does. Cause this is a guy who's been pretty reserved throughout his career and kind of lets you in to know how he felt about it and how much it sucked and all that, which is fine. Right. It, it obviously sucked. Um, and kind of said what he said, and, and it put out a bunch of speculation. He probably didn't like that, and then just kind of walked it back a little bit by saying, "Oh, I meant like if they'll have me back. Like nothing's for sure. I would hope I'd be back, but you never know. A lot of guys' contract situations are up in the air." To your point, Aaron, I, I, the Green Bay Packers are not releasing you or trading you unless you say you want to be released or traded. Right. There is no situation. I don't care if Jordan Love is Michael Jordan. He is. There, there is no situation in which you are not the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers um, next year if you want to be. So I think it was just kind of a walk back from him and kind of putting it back in their hand, in their court.
1: Yeah. here's and Now part- you may
0: never hear from him again.
1: No, here's part, <laughs> here's part two of, mm-hmm. of, of that comment
2: from Aaron Rodgers, and then we'll we'll close it out and start talking some hoops. Um, I don't think people are used to hearing the truth from athletes, so when they hear the truth, it's so like surprising at times. That's why this show, I think, has been so different than – It's because you're hearing somebody who, you know, has been around a long time who talks to people that he likes and shares, like, real, non-pre-rehearsed, non-robotic comments. Uh, That's all I said after the game. You know, it was like, obviously, in the, you know, I'm 15 minutes from crying in the locker room with, you know, some of my teammates. I, I come and sit down and do this interview, and they ask me questions. I give real answers, like I do on this show. And to me, a reality, not a certainty or an absolute, is that my future is not in my hands. Now, that's really the case for all of us, I think, as players. But you can't, I think, naturally, there's times where you let your mind go to maybe, I'm going to be a Packer for life, or I'm going to be, you know, uh, I'm going to be like a Tim Duncan or a Jeter or a Kobe and play with one team my entire career. I think naturally you dream about that. I mean, that's kind of like a dream scenario. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, yeah, it's a dream scenario to play with one franchise your entire career, just like Kobe and all that. I get it. Dog, if you want to do that, <laughs> you can do that. I think
0: hey, uh, he brought up Tim Duncan. I'll tell you this Popovich wasn't drafting other power forwards.
1: Yeah, that's true, man. They,
0: it was like, hey, we traded for Kevin Garnett, Tim. He'd be like, wait, what? You did what?
1: Yeah, let me ask you, <laughs> you think he feels disrespected at all, or yes. do you feel like they're just making mistakes? Um, like, do you think he feels disrespected by the LaFleur thing with not going forward on fourth Dude. down? I, yeah, I
0: think he, yeah, I, I think he feels. I mean, I think it's all part of just probably a bigger feeling that he has looking back on his career. Right. Especially when you're playing against a guy who's going to his 10th, 10th Super Bowl. And you're just like, man, like I've been to one. Everybody talks about how great I am. Everybody talks about I'm one of the best quarterbacks they've ever seen. I'm about to win my was third MVP. Um, I, I've been great. I've done everything that I need to do. And we only have one. And when we get there, we get this close. And then now it's like this bullshit. We don't go for it on fourth down. So I don't even get the balls and my the ball in my hands to show that I can take us there. It's like I think I, I, I really think it can't be understated that like he's been this great, but has only made it to one super bowl. And he knows that. Like he looks in on it and is like, Man, I know that. Right? I'm fully aware of the fact I've been to one Super Bowl and I don't think it's my fault. And when we have a chance, last year when the title game. We have a chance to get better this year. We have a first-round draft pick, and we draft a guy who literally, literally over the 18 games that we played this year didn't do anything for us. Now, he might be great for us in three years when I'm not here anymore, but damn if I wouldn't like to have another receiver or another cornerback or a defensive end or somebody who could have helped us in any one of our problems, somebody who's not Kevin King playing in the slot on Sunday. Maybe we could (laughs) have used it on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Maybe a, 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 a offensive lineman. Somebody who can – a kicker, a punter. Somebody who would have played. So he's just looking at it like, man, they've just squandered everything. You wasted 10 years with this bum-ass head coach. Yeah, You know what I mean? Now we bring in this guy. He doesn't give me the ball. I'm just fed up and I'm tired. So, yeah, I think, you know, I don't even know what your original question was. But, <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah, no, does he feel disrespected? I yes, think he does. very. I don't know if he feels disrespected enough to 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 move and and leave, but uh that's something we'll figure out. And yo, really quick, uh before I bring on Scooby, my man just landed in the green room. Scooby Robinson is about to hop on and talk some hoops with us. Um I'm really looking forward to the day that Bears fans, the only thing that we have to look forward to. In the postseason is, is praying and rooting for the Packers to lose. All these grown men smoking cigars and oh, yeah, that's, cheering and posting videos about how happy they are that the Packers lost. That shit's pathetic. We need our that's how that, that's we're where not we're on at. their
0: radar at all. They don't they don't give a damn if the Bears win or lose. I can tell you that right
1: now. We got people sparking cigars because the the Packers lost. After appearing in the NFC championship two years in a row, like that, that's where we're at as, as, as a franchise yeah. and, a, and a fan base. Yeah. That's what we have to look forward to. So I'm looking forward me, to the day where we don't have to do that shit anymore. Can
0: I give one before we hop off? Um, yeah. and I, cause we, I don't think we gave the proper salute. Yeah. Tom Tom Brady, 10th Super Bowl appearance.
1: Yeah. I don't want to hear
0: it. I, I, I don't want to hear it.
1: Yeah. It's real. So, say,
0: save your conversations for another day. He just walked into a whole new city, whole new situation on a non-playoff team, and those boys are going to the Super Bowl. And the only difference is Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's remarkable.
1: Shout out all Tom right. Brady. Luther shout God. out, shout out Tom the GOAT. He's Tampa. definitely he's uh yeah, he's well he's, he's different. He, yeah, he's <laughs> different. He's going after number seven, which is insane. Right?
0: Insane at 43 <laughs> on a new team.
1: Yeah, uh yes. So all right, we're about to bring on the boy. Brandon Scooby Robinson, look, Lonzo Ball trade, he he fired off some tweets. Uh, you, you know how Scooby does it. He's got the inside scoop. He's going to let you know what he hears. He's going to back it up with some talk. We're going to talk about the Lonzo Ball trade, potentially what else or who else we feel like is moving. We'll talk some Nets, and then we'll talk Kobe, man. Rest in peace, Bean. But without further ado, welcome on the curator of culture, the big dog Scoop B. Robinson, my man, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's got going it.
0: on, man? Oh, all got the Morgan State. The Morgan State jump off.
3: Yeah, I put yeah. that on real quick. I had a <laughs> tank top one under here. I so said, I thought it's <laughs> <I was laughs> working <laughs> at home. Shout,
1: Shout out. out Morgan State. <laughs> Yo, Scoop, I appreciate you hopping on, my boy
3: of course man thank you for having me on i'm guessing i gather you have a kobe bryant lakers
1: jersey on man you know number eight bro i'm a number eight guy i'm a kobe eight guy when people ask me who comes to mind first it's kobe number eight always i don't i think about 24 i know 24 obviously but number eight comes to mind first uh Fro Kobe, baby Fro Kobe is who I think of when I think of being and Moon Boot Kobe. Moon Boot Kobe. When, him, when he was going at folks, that's who I think about.
3: Here you go. Ain't yeah.
1: With it. That's what's up. So, yo, Scoop, you, you, uh, the infamous Scoop B, heavy.com, Scoop B radio, all over the place, always giving the people, you know, NBA information. You recently dropped, uh, a nugget on Lonzo possibly being on a trade block, and um the Bulls possibly being a landing spot. You named a couple other squads, but tell me what you know about that Lonzo deal, him being on the block, and uh where you see him possibly going.
3: Yeah, so I I actually tweeted that information uh, inauguration day last week, um about um, a potential move uh, for the I was getting ready to say the Los Angeles Lakers is Lonzo Ball, but the New Orleans Pelicans Lonzo Ball. Um, At the time, last week, uh, teams that I was told uh, had interest in ball, uh, included the Orlando Magic, uh, the New York Knicks, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, Um, and then I tweeted today um, another team, one in Chicago Bulls, uh, who could uh, make moves uh, in that regard. I know Sham Sharana wrote an article and put out a report today. Uh, you know, discussing New Orleans uh, potentially being um, buyers and sellers at the trading deadline uh, because they're really looking to build uh, pieces around uh, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, uh, Josh Hart, etc. cetera, understand Van Gundy. And just Lonzo and, and the Pelicans essentially, you know, with Drew Holiday being traded uh, this past offseason and then Go to Milwaukee Bucks. You know, basically you shifted Lonzo in a lot of ways to a two guard role, but really, um, he's not a spot up shooter kind of guy. Um he, he is a he is a, a thing in a system in the NBA or a team not named the Pelicans. You know, he would be a, a primary ball handler who can play defense against your team's uh, point guard. And yeah. um, you know the Bulls was a team that was uh, that that entered into the chat today. You no,
1: know, I'm gonna tell you, I hey, entered into the chat. We should have been in. The, we should have been the first team in the chat because right. we need a point guard, and I say we meaning the Chicago Bulls need a, a a point guard like Lonzo Ball in a very bad way.
3: Yeah, and and would benefit uh, superfluously under Billy Donovan uh, in his system. Um, when I look at Billy Donovan and, and what he's done with the Bulls. Oh, so far this season, I like it. And to be honest with you, I was a little skeptical about it. And I guess I shouldn't have been uh, because he worked wonders last season uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder under, you know, or with point guard Chris Paul. And Chris Paul is now in Phoenix. And, you know, the Thunder were going in a different direction. But um, I I like the pieces that, you know, the Bulls have, 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 they're basically the same team that they were last season, but it's a different philosophy um, than it was last year with Jim Boylan. So, you know, I think Lonzo Ball would fit. Uh, in, in Billy Donovan's system and you know in order for that to happen you may have to include a, a and uh, maybe one or no two no
1: problem
0: <laughs> yeah here take him
1: who else who yeah who else <laughs> you, who else are you gonna say Scoop yeah, Sadaransky that yeah that's not Talk even Saturday
0: hey, yeah I'll take I'll take him for Lonzo. I got a question though <laughs> so is this more the Pelicans trying to move Lonzo or teams calling the Pels about Lonzo? Like are they are they yeah. putting this out there or are teams yeah. like hey
3: the way that it was told to me last week um, it was teams calling uh, the pelicans, um David Griffin, uh, and, you know, inquiring about information. A lot of times, and I and I'm and I'm really uh, specific these days on the difference between prefacing calling and active movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I've really prefaced that with, particularly as it related to uh, James Harden uh, in in Houston, the, eventually, um, making that move and, and sending him in a three team trade uh, to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, oftentimes, teams inquire. Inquire doesn't mean there's movement happening, but inquiring means, you know, Miami could call. Denver did call. Uh, the Boston Celtics called. Uh, I think I said Miami. Brooklyn called them multiple times. Philadelphia called. So it's a matter of inquiring and and, and you know, the teams doing their due diligence with their basketball operations to kind of put pin the pad on a board and in a, in, a, in a war room those really do exist in nba front offices um i, I sat in a, a um in an office uh with a i won't say the team but with a team um and kind of got the lowdown on those war rooms and how all of those trades and those proposals happen and how um you know all of that takes place but there is a war room and you have basketball operations people who actually do discuss pros and cons of each player
0: so a lot of it is real. So that's interesting because a lot of times, you know, we'll see it on Twitter like, "Oh, there's been talks. There's been talks," yeah. and we instantly jump to, "Oh, they're trying to trade such and such." But what you're saying, it could be just as simple as like, someone's name is brought up, and it's like, "Hey, let's just call Philly real quick and just see what they got to say about this." Hey, guy. Sean, that leaks, this right? is cool. You're
3: <laughs> about Lonzo, what do you think? What do we have on our roster that would that would that would be uh, beneficial to you? Uh, we'll pass. See you during All Star. You know, like stuff like
0: that. But like, that's reported as serious trade discussions. sometimes, right?
3: It, it, it depends on who who is. Um, depends on who's leaking shit. Right,
0: right. Yeah.
3: I mean, because like, for example, the whole Anthony Davis to the Lakers situation, when those conversations like if you I'm not sure how far back you're familiar with my reporting, but I'll, I'll go back to 2018 when I had a lot of information relating to the Los Angeles Lakers. Sometimes depends on who your intel person is are you getting it from a player perspective are you getting it from a front office perspective meaning magic johnson or rob palenka may talk to somebody and they say something are you getting it from an agent's perspective are you talking to rich paul or somebody at clutch um and when you talk about leaking i mean there are conversations that everybody has the conversation from a player is going to be different than the agent and is going to be different than the front office person but sometimes you know a, 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 an individual will say something to someone with a ton of followers to see how far it goes. So it, it just it really depends on who you ask and uh, how 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 keyed in you are with um, front office folks versus the agents and and the players themselves.
1: Yeah, let me let me get back to the fundamentals, right? Of hoops, what's wrong with Lonzo? Why isn't he? coming into his own. I know he had a, a decent year last year before he got to the bubble where he struggled, but I still haven't seen the guy I saw at UCLA, man. You know, it's interesting.
3: I, I had, um, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I had a conversation with uh, ESPN's Jay Williams on my Heavy Live with Scoopy show uh, over at Heavy.com. You guys can uh, check that out um, at, at Heavy.com as well as the YouTube channel, and you can subscribe mm-hmm. to Scoopy Radio where you'll find those old episodes. And one thing that Jay Williams discussed was he believes that we need to kind of retemper the expectations that we actually have for uh, Alonzo Ball. I think coming in, um, leaving, uh, leaving UCLA, playing for the hometown Lakers and being from Chino Hills, California, a stone's throw from Staples Center, you're the hometown guy. You have all of this bravado, the big baller brand, your dad, and more. You switch agents a few times. He went from his dad being his agent to Rock Nation representing him to now Rich Paul representing him. It's been a lot of bravado. And, and one thing that Jay Williams said to me is he believes that they that his, the expectations need to be reset because I think m- multiple times we've compa- we've we've it's easy to make the comparison to Lonzo right? He's biracial, or excuse me, to Jason Kidd. He's he's biracial. He's tall. He, he's, a, he's a pass first point guard. Uh, at times, he struggles with the jumper. I remember when, when Jason Kidd was playing for the New Jersey Nets, then the New Jersey Nets, people used to call him Ace and Kidd because he lacked a J. Um, I think when you're making <laughs> comparisons to different people and the expectations that you have, um, you're disappointed. And I think that um, for me, I felt that when Drew Holiday was traded to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, and here comes Lonzo Bowman, being the starting point guard. Now you got a chance to kind of see a young team um, in the Western Conference that, that are getting the keys to the to the to the Beamer or the keys to the city. And you could drive a quick. You could drive. You, you think you're driving 70 on on, on on the Pulaski, but you're really driving hundred, driving an Alexis truck. But for some reason, it just didn't click just yet. And I, and I think there's frustration in that regard because he's not what you
1: signed up for. He's not what I've seen with my own eyes. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I've seen this dude go at people and, and dish the rock and kind of control the tempo, control the pace of the game. I haven't seen that at all. This year, he's going for 12, 4.5 assists, 4 rebounds. Nick, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't – for me, I always, I'm never going to hop off the Lonzo ball train. Um, I still think that at the end of the day, when we kind of look at his career, when it's all said and done, he's going to be a very good player. Mm-hmm. He plays point guard. It's going to take a while, right? Point guard is the hardest position to play in the NBA. Playing point guard at a high level is extremely difficult. And we bring up Jason Kidd. You can look at a guy like Chauncey Billups. A lot of these guys, um, it, it can take some time. So I'm not ready to give up on him, especially with how he started his career. That L.A. situation that Come he was on, trapped into,
3: that, man, that was, couldn't have been any now, worse. That's years a, ago now, bro. But if you
0: look at him this year, he's having a good year. He's playing fine. I mean, his numbers aren't off the man. charts, but yeah. You
3: you you've shifted roles, and that team, and then they have to figure out, is that Zion's team or Brandon Ingram's team? Because I feel like when you look at Brandon Ingram particularly last year, you saw the effects of getting away from playing alongside LeBron. You saw his, you saw the bright light uh, that many saw when the Lakers drafted him. People were saying KD light. Uh, but now you're trying to mesh a point guard with Lon, of, of Lonzo's ilk um, with Zion, who people are trying to compare him to LeBron, to Charles Barkley, to Clarence Weatherspoon, to Rodney Rogers, anywhere in between. I feel like anybody that's a little overweight, they compare him to. Um, and I mean that respectfully. I'm not trying to clown Zion. But I, I think when you match that with Brandon Ingram and then Josh Hart and then the playing schematics of Stan Van Gundy, that's a lot to digest. Stan is very – um, like I remember him in Orlando playing a three-guard lineup alongside Dwight. The benefit that they had with Dwight was that Dwight could kick out on the double and the triple team and get get the, 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 the wingman, the open three. New Orleans is, is built a little differently. I like Steven Adams on that team. I believe Steven Adams is on that, on that Pelicans team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I like Lonzo Ball. I like all those guys, but I feel like Lonzo needs to be on a team that's a fast break team um, that has reckless abandonment, that has star guards. And to me, Dallas and and Chicago fit that box. The Knicks are an exciting team to watch right now, um, particularly because of the play of Julius Randle. Julius Randle is is that point forward. Tips make stars out of guards. I remember you know sitting down with Nate Robinson, oh,
0: man. John Lucas Augustine. III, Aaron Brooks. August, y'all got to tell us who's yeah. on DJ. Yeah. yeah. If you're a small guard, you're going to get 20 with Tibbs. So real quick,
1: to, to close out the, the Lonzo ball piece quick, do you think, like Scoop said, that just the, the expectations need to be tapered a little bit?
0: hundred percent, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: We'll he's a great defensive play. player, too. Great mm-hmm. defensive point guard. Yeah,
1: that's true. I can't, I can't deny that. We'll, yeah. we'll see where Lonzo ends up. I would love to see him in a Bulls uniform. I know that um, Kobe White is a score is just trying to score the ball.
0: I got a question for you, Um, and this is something. So another player who I refuse to give up on but seems to always be in trade rumors is constantly in trade rumors the last few weeks, obviously. And I just don't understand the rush to trade Ben Simmons. Like, is this how his career is just going to be? Is he going to be in trade rumors for the rest of his career? Is he going to be involved in any big deal? Is it always going to seem like Philly's trying to trade him? Like, what's the deal there? Are people... We talk about expectations, right? I think Ben Simmons is a great player. He's an all-NBA player. He's a great defender, obviously a great playmaker. And I think people focus too much on what he doesn't do as opposed to what he does do. And for that, I just feel like he's in a trade every week.
3: Well, first of all, before I answer that question, uh, I want to send out uh, prayers, love, and respect to the late, say, Smith, who passed away today, a mentor of mine, um, someone I knew, someone who I, I had great respect for. Um, COVID has really done a number on a lot of people in many different professions, and he's somebody that was very well respected. So I, I, I want to send that, that that love and respect to his family and those in the NBA community um, and, and to directly answer your question. Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah, passed away uh, today. Yeah, he had been yeah. sick for a couple of weeks and had COVID and passed away today. Um, what I will share with you is, as it relates to Ben Simmons, um, I mean, there have been conversations uh, in the 76ers' front office Particularly uh, when James Harden was on the market, um, Ben Simmons uh, was someone that Houston, you know, emphatically wanted, as well as Tyrese Maxey, um, Matisse Thybulle, and and picks. Uh, but I think, you know, it, it comes down to the right move. I know that Minnesota, as well as the Toronto Raptors, um, back at during draft time in November, uh, were, were were inquiring about trading draft picks and players and and more. But Um, I think he is a generational player. I think that um, Joel Embiid uh, has more of Philadelphia's DNA in his bones um, than maybe some believe Ben Simmons does. Um, And and by that, I mean um, Chicago. You know I'm in and out of here a lot. My stepfather's from the west side. Um, I I know it through and through. Um, Philadelphia area, I went to college out there. There's a level of blue collar and grit. Um, that that are possessed in both those cities, I often feel as though those cities are quite similar in their in their mentality. I feel like Joel Embiid kind of embodies that, um, and the, the, he's a man amongst the people. I think that Ben Simmons is kind of a mystery to some people, and with that being said, some people think that his style or his 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 mentality is more fit for you know a a, a, a uh, Bay Area a New York. Um, uh, more of a chic type of uh, city. Um, but the guy gets it done. Six foot 10, uh, can play positions one through four. Uh, you saw it during the playoffs last year, shifted to the four, was holding the ball like bread and got to the basket, no problem. But I think finally getting to the championship is Philly's goal. I mean, in the Eastern Conference, you go up against an Eastern Conference champion in the Miami Heat, New Look Brooklyn Nets, um, as well as, you know, you still got to give credit to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and, and so I, I think there's a lot of Eastern Conference teams out there, including the Sixers, uh, that would love to have a Ben Simmons uh, as their problem. And, you know, he's in Philadelphia, but I, I do think he's a generational player. Um, and I think that anytime you're that great, people are going to have conversations. I think that's kind of a good thing, actually, that your name is always a trade warmers. But I think Doc Rivers coming to Philadelphia and replacing Brett Brown, I think Brett stayed a little too long in Philadelphia. And I think that now you know, with, with Doc Rivers in uh, Philadelphia. I think he has something to prove after, you know, the, the way that things went in, in, in Los Angeles with the Clippers last year. I also think Dwight Howard has something to prove um, because, you know, he was lowballed uh, as it related to contract time when it came to, to, to potentially be signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. And, you know, I think if Philly is going to go after it, you know, I think this is the year um, and the Eastern conference is very competitive.
1: Anybody else, that you foresee getting moved or needs to be moved. I know we talk about Brad Beal, free Brad Beal, all that type of stuff. I guess this is actually a, a really good precursor into us talking about the Nets because I think the right. Nets are in dire straits. I think the as presently constructed, they're not – they can't beat – they're like the fifth best team in the East. It, and maybe fifth is a little aggressive, but That's maybe – Maybe the third or fourth best <laughs> team in the East, but I truly believe that. Watching those guys, how they are currently constructed right now, they look bad, in my opinion. Um, give me your thoughts on the Nets, and then I guess we could talk about who they could potentially add that could, uh, that could change the dynamic out there. But since, I don't know, what are, we, what are we like, four or five games in now with all three of those guys active? What are your thoughts on the Nets and um, where, they kinda, where they're kind of positioned in the East?
3: I think Brooklyn is in a gelling period right now. Um, and I think you see that with teams even like the Miami Heat 10 years ago during the the, the Heedle era of, of basketball.
1: Damn, so um, crazy that's a decade ago. That's wild.
3: It is. And, um, you know, you, you look at, um, you know, even the Lakers last year um, and even the year before that, there was an adjustment period. Like I, I take it back to last season, you know, when Kyrie was playing and Kevin Durant set out for the year and, I reported the thoracic bursitis on Kyrie's shoulder, um, that you know shut it down for the rest of the year. He, he had a cortisone shot last December and then played a few more games and this shut it down. It reminds me a lot of LeBron and the Lakers, uh, in year one where he you know hurt his groin and you know subsequently sat out. And because he sat out, they got a first round pick that they were able to trade to flip to get Anthony Davis. Now, and in year two, the Lakers were able to win a championship. So, comparatively. I feel like when you look at the Nets and the, the good problem that they have, with the good trouble that they have with you know Kevin Durant and and, and James Harden and, and and Kyrie Irving, I think it's a good situation to be in. The only thing is, you got a first year head coach and Steve Nash that's trying to figure it all out just as much as the guys are. The good the good issue or the good thing that's in their favor is the fact you know that you have a good uh, coaching staff. Uh, and in Mike D'Antoni, you have interim head coach um uh jacques vaughn who was paid a lot of money to stay um but i think that you know when you have guys of kevin and and kate and and kyrie and, and james's caliber it's not just get on the floor the thing that's hindering them is that they don't have uh jared allen anymore um this guy was going to come out swinging this year and he's doing that in cleveland currently um i, I can tell you um that you know them signing norville pele um was something that you know is going to help them but he's still gotta you know get into that rotation uh Nick claxton is a guy who's been heard that they're trying to get back into rotation so i think people are still familiarizing themselves with some of you know the, their their roster guys like Rodian uh corax or excuse me actually he was traded so look, you have you know you have just a, a plethora of guys that you know are, are you're looking to find out if you want to sign them the Nets did get a 5.7. Million dollar uh, injured disabled player exception uh, because of Spencer Dinwiddie and you know they're going to look to kind of spend that money not expeditiously but very cautiously. I feel like Ti, I've always wanted to say expeditiously a lot TV. Thank <laughs> you, but um, I do think that when it comes down to um, you know veterans, then you start looking. You, you want to open your pocketbook. You know, you, you you look at the Jamal Crawford, you look at the I talked to Jamal about a week ago and he said he's staying is that ready. He ready. He said he's ready. I mean he, he watches what he eats. He he you know he he is um always working out his son is actually a freshman in college. Can you believe that? That's wild. Wow. Um but you know there are other there are other guys out there um that, that are that are available. Alan Crab, who's familiar with the net system. Um yeah. I, I think they uh, what'd you say?
0: Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson
3: signed with, re-signed with the New York Knicks.
0: Did he? When did that happen? Uh, within the last two weeks. Oh, shout out Taj.
1: Yo, Allen one of the biggest thieves Aj- walking the streets. Aj- <laughs> <laughs> he, Aj- he Aj- should, Crab. Yo, he should come play for free, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, but it, it there,
3: there are there are some things that the Nets need to address, and primarily the big man position. Um, you know, I know that the JaVel McGee uh, dialogue is is something that is um. You know, prevalent and on the East Coast here, and you know, I know that the Nets do have interest in him. It, 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 it's more of a thing of does he get a buyout or do they trade outright? And the thing that kind of is kind of interesting is what assets do you have? You do have um, DeAndre Jordan. You do have you you would, could you could ship uh, future. Uh, draft picks, but you sent a lot of draft picks out to, to trade for James Harden, which is a once in a lifetime guy, so that makes sense. But um, you know, you, you Kevin, gotta got
0: say his name right, man. It's three time NBA champion Javale McGee. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put the you gotta put the titles in front of his name.
3: Who was who also happens to be Shaq's best friend?
0: Yeah, now I'm <laughs> really Shaq's in the pool, right? <laughs> yeah,
3: but I, I definitely think that the Nets do have that five point seven provision, five point seven million provision to go out and get some guys but I also think that the Nets are in a situation where they're figuring things out. Kyrie, you know, sat out for about eight games for a myriad of reasons and um, he's getting into the flow of things and he's playing well, but then, you know, James Harden is starting to figure out how to play alongside Kevin. Then you had that game against Cleveland where Kevin sat out, you know, so all these guys are kind of figuring out their roles and how the rest of the roster blends. I think somebody who doesn't get enough mention and attention is Joe Harris, uh,
1: no, oh, he's a monster!
3: He signed him to a, 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 an extension uh, this past offseason. I think somewhere between fifty-seven or seventy-five million. I don't remember off the top of my head, but shooting the lights out, making bro, he's
1: fun. been keeping them afloat. If you're watching, he's been keeping them afloat, bro. They were like the other, like last night. They were struggling all game until the fourth. They ended up winning the game by like double digits. But mm-hmm. man, Joe Joe is a major part of that squad right now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: No I doubt agree. about it. No doubt about it. All right, let's leave the Nets there because we're going to be talking about those guys every every single NBA conversation we have. Um, let's get to a little Kobe, and then uh, we'll close it out on a uh, biggest takeaway so far. We'll get you out of here, Scoop. Kobe Bean Bryant, a year ago today, passed away. We uh, I know we all remember where we were, all that type of stuff. But I was I was getting sad watching all the coverage, so I did want to focus on. One of my favorite moments about Kobe, um, and I guess I want to pose that to you, Scoop. Kobe has a lot of big moments, a lot of memorable moments. What is one of your favorite being moments that you kind of thought about today with all the coverage? Um, I, I'll
3: be honest with
1: you, um, is it i mean is it 81 is it him winning a championship is it is it how he carried himself how we talked so um, you know what i'm saying what, what what's i'll share with you I knew Kobe okay
3: um, yeah. know his family know him um and uh, what literally went to college down the street from lower Marion high School okay word. um and i had a very good relationship with his i have a good relationship with his father um and i have a good relationship with his brother-in-law and the thing that I appreciate most about Kobe, and that I share with Kobe, is his finding his passion and his purpose in life at a very young age. Um, I started in the industry at twelve, doing radio with the Nets as a kid. Kobe traveled in Italy. Kobe played basketball and studied tape young, and. I think that I think of Kobe a little differently as a brainiac as much as I do a basketball player. Um, yesterday, I watched the movie Soul. I don't know if you guys are p- familiar with that cartoon through Pixar, and it really delves into people's purpose and why they are here. Um, I really dug Kobe because Kobe learned at a young age and that was nurtured um, in that regard. And it's something that I've always admired because I. Um, Going through life, I think many people work jobs but never really tap into their passion because either they don't have the funding, they're scared, or they listen to people who tell them that they can't. And the thing that I always admired about Kobe is that despite outside noise, despite mistakes, legal mistakes, or court mistakes, and more, he kept going. Everybody's not meant to be great. Kobe was great. But what I think is so great about Kobe is that when it was all said and done he had already reinvented himself again whether it was being an OG with the players in the league but also um, what it was as his role as a father and as a teacher and I grew up in the Black Baptist Church and when you know when they do the benediction and they say well done thy good and faithful servant um, I, I really feel like Kobe not just as a basketball player but as a man um, and as a, as a, as a, as just a human being, I think that his purpose um, and his soul lives forever. And that's the purpose of living this life in this world, not to be deep, but it's about, it's about mentorship. It's about what you're doing for others yeah. and it's about leaving your mark. And, and I believe Kobe's done that. So, you know, I watched the 81 point game today on it. On, on yeah, on I saw
1: that. Yeah. I saw that on your, on your IG. Yeah.
3: But I, I think, um, I think in this world and in, in the performance driven society that we're in, we have to separate the human being from versus what they do. And I think he was proficient in, in both of those aspects.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said, Nick. That's tough to follow up. Yeah. But
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's tough to follow yeah, up.
0: Man, that time he hung 30 on him. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: yeah. That,
0: no. Uh, no, I'll <laughs> say uh, my moment. Man, it's not it, – it, when you talk about more like the mentality, and I, I'm going to be more of the – I guess the basketball tip on it, was just that that footage where they had where it was later in his career and he was in practice, and I think uh, – who was it that was going at him? I think it was uh, it was like Nick Young was probably the only thing I, person I think that had the heart mm-hmm. to go at him. And he was just talking shit at, to Mitch, Kupch- Mitch Kupchak during the practice. Like, Mitch, I can't win with these guys. Like, nah, nah, nah. Just like that whole sequence was so Kobe for me. You know what I'm saying? Just the mentality, just going at his teammates. The, you know, I'm here for one reason and one reason only, and I, I can't win with these guys. Like, mm-hmm. I just love that whole mentality, man. Because at that point in his career, he'd already won a bunch of championships. That was towards the end, but he still wanted it. Yeah. And just that whole mentality, I guess the, the quote unquote Mamba mentality that people like to reference.
1: So that, re- that reminds me of the Jimmy Kimmel clip where he had him on the show and he shared yeah, he uh, ran the win. Yeah. He's like, yo. It's like, dude, this is so embarrassing.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, my favorite Kobe, like I said, I was always an eight. Like when I think of Kobe playing, um, I always think of eight before I think of 24. Mm-hmm. And that stretch where he scored 81, obviously, that year. But there was the stretch where he was scoring like 45 a night for like two weeks straight. Mm-hmm. And it was from a... And the, the, that, the, that roster that he was on was, it was one of those things where it was like, yo, I'm really going to have to try to carry these guys to the playoffs purely by myself. And smush that Parker. was, yeah, smushing those boys. Shout out Smush Parker.
0: Smush Parker.
1: Um, but that was just the, the that really boxed Kobe like, man, this guy is really Gonna will these guys to the playoffs, and he did. He was scoring 40. I think he averaged like 44, 45 a night that, and over that 10 game stretch or something. So there's a lot of Kobe moments, man. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Rest in peace. But yeah, those are some of the, man, Brandon, Scoop dropped the real shit on us. I had, I, I I would, I should have wrote something up. I didn't know Scoop was gonna come like that. You know what I'm saying? I, I think uh, it it was organic. I didn't have a
3: teleprompter in front of me. Yeah, but I'll add, um, I spent some time with Kobe um, during media day uh, at All-Star Weekend in 2016 in Toronto. Um, And this was like maybe a week or two after um, Peyton Manning led the Denver Broncos to a Super Bowl win. And I asked him, I said, "Um, as an elder statesman such as yourself, how cool would it have been to ride off in some sunset winning a championship like Peyton did. And he looked at me, he said, oh, that's the statesman, that's that's a good one. He started laughing. He said, you know, I I can't I can't really be mad because I, I won to the five of tune of five to the tune of five NBA championships. Um you know I played with Shaq. I played with Lamar I played with you know Pal Gasol. Um, and, and, and to quote the, the late, great Frank Sinatra, he, he did it his way. You know, I think, um, you know, you, you look at the super team that the Lakers had tried to put together in 2004 against the Pistons. It was no dice there. Um, it, it wasn't a fit. They traded Shaq that off season, uh, they rebuilt that team. Lamar Odom came, and you know they ended up a year later, a few years later, trading you know Paul Gasol and, and and those guys being champions, and you know finding a way to win. They lost to Boston in 2008, but they you know they found a way to win a championship. You know after Shaq. I think post Denver, Colorado, and post Shack, um, Kobe found a way to have his own on his own team, he played for one team, 18-time NBA All Star. Um, I think on the court, his accolades are great. Um, I think what he did in his community is something that you know was was cool too that people don't talk enough about uh, particularly in the mainline Philadelphia area, the Philadelphia suburbs uh, Narberth, Ardmore and more and you know you know visiting you know Lower Marion High School uh, every year when the Lakers make that trip to Philadelphia uh, to play the sixers and you know how he speaks to the kids on the lower Marion Aces basketball team and you know, how he, you know, they wear his shoes. You know, they did a whole video tribute. You know, everybody was doing video tributes. Even at his high school, they did a video tribute at, at Lower Marion high school. And, you know, they, they had a fond memories of him. And, you know, just some of the stories that I was hearing about Kobe. Like, I have a friend of mine who covered Kobe when he was in high school. and He told me this story mm-hmm. about how one time um, somebody came up to Kobe and was like, Yo, Kobe, why are you sweating me, man? Why are you sweating me? And Kobe was like, oh, I don't know. He looked over to somebody and said, What is sweating me? Yeah, somebody had to explain to him like, <laughs> what he meant. Yeah. Um, just some of the stories that I've heard. You know, I, I spent some time with Kobe's dad at a basketball exposure camp in Dallas, Texas, for a few days, and his hotel room was right across the hall from mine. And uh, you know, they would have sent car service to pick us up, and we would just talk about footwork. And one thing that I don't know if you know, but Kobe and his dad had in common—they shared a coaching common. Dell Harris coached both Kobe and Joe Jellybean Bryant. And Jelly told me this story about how, um, you know, Jelly played in Houston for the Rockets. And I think that's when Dell Harris was his coach. He told me about how he flew out to LA and how, um, when he asked Dell, How's my son doing? He goes out there. He said, Dell Harris said, Man, I'll tell you one thing in common. You both have this one thing in common. He said, What? Y'all both are hard headed as hell. Yeah. And he out laughing. Like, but when you watch Kobe and you watch his father, it makes sense. Kobe's father's footwork was amazing. To this day, his footwork is amazing. And when I watch Kobe on the basketball court, even as a guard,
1: footwork amazing, like Dream Hakeem Olajuwon type of, of footwork. Yeah, master, master of creating space. Just like whatever space I need to get this, get this jumper off and and, and make a pass or do whatever I got to do. Yeah. The footwork, the creation of space, man. Scoop B, man. I appreciate. I'm gonna let you go off that off the Kobe story, man. I appreciate you coming on. Listen, the curator of culture at Scoop B on Twitter. Hit him with where they can find, uh, you know, Scoop B Radio, all your articles on Heavy. All that. Well, I'm a senior writer at Heavy.com. You can check out my
3: work at Heavy.com. You can also subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast. Um, available on streaming platforms, two to three million hits annually. We had Cuffs the Legend on last week, LeBron's right hand. Uh, Cuffs. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we've had anybody from Shaq, Charles Barkley, to Pete Sampras, and a myriad of other people. Um, yeah, you got the porn stars on, everything, bro. What'd you say? You having the actresses on. Yeah, we had Kate Linder from um, <laughs> the, the uh, from the soap opera. I think it was Young and the Restless. we had DJ Khaled, we had Mark Cuban. We
0: always uh, talk about the other actresses. Some actresses.
3: Oh, actresses, actresses.
0: Yeah. Actresses.
3: Okay, so Heavy Live with Scoop B, which is through heavy.com.
1: Yeah, uh, we,
3: we had which is separate from Scoopy Radio. We had the porn yes. star and on. We had uh, Sherry DeVille. Those are the porn stars. We've also had.
1: That um, scoop does it all, dog. I mean. Culture is not a joke. We
0: need no catch up after dark, is what you're telling us. <laughs> you, <bro. laughs> we ain't there yet.
3: We have BET Uncut. It's only right you have catch up.
0: Shout out BET Uncut, the late night video. Yes, sir. <laughs> Tip yes, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. but you know obviously scoop scoop knows the knows the game knows the people studies culture make sure you lock in with him scoop man i appreciate you very much we're gonna have to tap in again soon brother i'm glad we got this right because i remember
3: back in the spring we were having we were having like drive-through at mcdonald's issues
1: are you hearing yeah. another word yes we was having technical difficulties but we got it right this time we back gucci thank you for the opportunity to be myself you already know scoop thanks a lot brother Yes, sir. There- oh, Scoop B. Shout out, Scoop B. Shout out, Scoop man. Scoop. Uh, Scoop Kobe eulogy. Kobe, yo,
0: needed he that. needed
1: that. <laughs> he called me, me off guard with that, man. So uh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad he gave us that though, because it was all facts, man. Uh, Kobe. Kobe knew he wanted to make an impact from the jump, and uh, he was able to follow through on that. Let's move off of this NBA talk really quick. I want to ask you. We'll close it with this one question. Quarter of the season gone, Big Nick. The quick already. Uh huh. Biggest takeaway so far. Outside, I don't want to talk about the Nets anymore. So I guess outside of the Nets, what is your biggest takeaway? Is it is it Joel Embiid? Is
0: it? That's it. Um, I said it. I think you remember in our group message. I said, "Hey, man, I just seen an interview with Joel Embiid right before the season started. I was like, yo." This guy's a legitimate MVP candidate this year. He was saying all the right things. Everything. I love the big man, man. Just like I love the running game in football. <laughs> I give me 13 to 3 all day running in defense. Yeah. I love the big in the NBA. And I get we want to get away from it. We want shooters and all that. But when you have a big like Joel Embiid, you shouldn't actively try to move away from him, right? So I love the fact that he came in this year, got in shape, right? Said he hired a chef. He's got a trainer at the crib. I think getting swept last year, um, When after Ben Simmons got hurt, they got swept in the playoffs. I think that that hurt his heart a little bit because he talks a lot of shit and you yeah. get swept. Like, y'all need to back it up. So he hit the gym, came back, swole, and he's the league MVP as of right now. So um, he has the best, great numbers on the team with the best record in the Eastern Conference. He's putting up 28 and 12, shooting 55% from the field with three dimes to boot. That's what we want from Joel. Yeah. I, I that's that's it for me. Joel Embiid baby. And my,
1: my biggest takeaway is the West isn't as loaded as I thought it was going to be. Mm. A lot of those teams need a lot of work. They're a lot of suspect. Like I don't know what Denver's on. I get, they might just be cruising stumbling out the blocks. Um Dallas has one player. Sus. Um Porzingis is back but
0: That's why I wasn't buying the Luca MVP thing. I'm like, yo, their team isn't good enough for him to win MVP unless they win like a bunch of games because of him. But the the roster was not, I was like, bump the brakes on that.
1: Yeah. I think that's my biggest takeaway. It's like now we got McCollum out. Yeah. Paul Portland is kind of shaky. I think uh, we've all, we kind of fell into the trance of the West is, the West is loaded. The West is stacked. And the West looked like that. There's, there's like a legit. There was always two top teams, but that looks like there's only two teams. Like people were talking about Denver can compete for the West and the the Jazz. Right, the Jazz are ringers this year. This is that like, nah, man. Like so, that's that's uh, that's my biggest takeaway so far. Bubble
0: hangover out west too. Bubble bubble hangover strong out west.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like Jamal Murray hung over, hung over off the twenty two.
0: Oh, hey, Jamal Murray needs his reinforcements. I don't know where Shorty's at, <laughs> <laughs> but he's struggling. Yeah, so he needs so, that.
1: that's my biggest takeaway. My yeah. biggest takeaway is that that uh, currently that the West is loaded, the East is sus. Is I think it's flipped. I think the East is very sturdy right now.
0: So who's your guy? Let me ask you this then: yeah. Who is your NBA finals two teams?
1: Uh I'll say the Lakers and man it just depends on who who Brooklyn goes and gets. Brooklyn could go and get two or three pieces and they could be a super issue. Um but Lakers I can't say the Nets, man. They look really bad. They need a lot of help to me. So
0: they're mess up right now. I know that. Yeah.
1: I don't know, let me I'll say Boston. How about That's
0: that? Right. I'm going, going Lakers Celtics. The league's going to love it.
1: My, let my boy Kemba get back right and get back consistent. Jalen Brown looks to be like thirty. He had thirty-one points
0: in nineteen minutes. Hey, like
1: <laughs> easy too though.
0: Yeah, he is really good, bro. And you know how I feel about Jason Tatum.
1: Yeah, like he didn't break a sweat the other night. He was killing us.
0: He's a so, great two-way player. I think those two guys, like if they get it going, that's that's those are two devastating wing players. Yeah. Right, but two of them they're putting up fifty-three points a game.
1: No, that's what I mean. So, like, they, Boston could be, it could be really ugly if Jalen, Jalen Jaylen looking more like Jason Tatum than Jason Tatum looking like Jason Tatum. That's what I'm saying, too. So,
0: yeah, they look good. I think it's Lakers, Celtics, too.
1: Yeah. I, uh, oh,
0: Philly, um, I think that Philly, I just worry about them offensively. They're a great defensive team, but I don't, I, I worry that they don't have the, uh, they don't
1: them. have the buckets when it comes down to it.
0: Tobias Harris, though. Shout out J. Cole, to Tobias Harris. <laughs> Getting buckets. But, yeah, Boston, Lakers, Celtics.
1: Okay, fair enough. All right, we'll leave it there. I'm going uh, to leave you all with this Kobe, and then uh, I'll give you a sign-off, and we'll see you all later. Kobe. Hello, everyone. I'm so sorry I can't be with you tonight. However, I couldn't completely miss the chance to take a
3: moment to share some thoughts with all of you. The lesson I cherish the most is how important it is to love what you do. If you love what you do and it's making you happy, all the hard work and perseverance will pay off. I once had a guidance counselor tell me that I shouldn't play basketball, that it would never amount to anything for me. His negativity towards me made me stronger. You can't stop people from trying to limit your dreams, but you can stop it from becoming a reality. Your dreams are up to you. I encourage you to always be curious, always seek out things you love, and always work hard once you find it. So with that, I'll let you carry on with your evening. Please know
1: I'm thinking of you, supporting you, and encouraging you. Always. Peace. Man, rest in peace, being No catch-up sports talk via Chicago. Make sure you subscribe everywhere, man. YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Rest in peace. You. Yeah, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Uh, for Big Nick the Quick, I am your host, Sean Little. Shout out Scooby for coming on. No catch up sports talk in Chicago. We out of here.